Welcome to the Christian Coach Podcast. Our mission is to serve coaches through conversations so they can lead like Jesus. I am Chad Simpson, and I'm joined by my co-host, Gian Lemmy. Hey, Chad, how are you doing today? Hey, Gian, we are we are doing well, and we are fired up and just so excited to share this episode with Joel Penner. Uh, Joel is, is a man of faith and, and an awesome Christian coach, and He's, uh, he was a longtime assistant coach, actually, which uh, I know you can r- relate to. Is he's made stops as assistant at Malone, at Northwestern in Ohio, at Trinity, and at Greenville. And then just in 2016, he took over as the head football coach at Dort. And uh, he's just uh, taken them uh, to new heights, done an amazing job building them up as a program. Yeah, Chad, I, I really like this conversation you had with Joel. Um, one thing that I want to tease out and then we'll get right on to the episode. We don't want to lose any time is that he does talk about the difference between being an assistant coach and then being a head coach. Um, and then a few things that he does on a regular basis to stay close to God and coach, we hope you enjoyed this conversation and it's coming to you right now. Coach Joel Penner, it's so good to have you on the Christian Coach Podcast. Uh, we're, we're so thankful that you you took your time to, to share with us. I'm really excited for this conversation. And um, me and my co-host, we're, we're just on this mission and excited to serve coaches. And uh, we're really digging into what does it mean to be a Christian coach? And so we just want to hear from you right on the onset. But what does it mean to you to be a Christian coach? Well, thanks, Chad. I, uh, I'm honored to visit with you today. I've I've been listening to this podcast now for almost a year, and and I've been blessed by it. So, uh, it's humbling to be uh, to be a guest with you today. So, yeah, what a great question. Uh, what does it mean to me to be a Christian coach? Um, yeah, I would say uh, I, I think about the aroma idea, the aroma of Christ. Um, I I want to smell like Jesus. Um, I want the people that I lead whether it's staff or our players, our team, I want, I want that to smell like Jesus. Uh, I think, I think we're often um, caught up in, in the activities of being a Christian and often our heart is so far away. Um, And I'm kind of reminded of that, that old Testament concept of God rejecting the Israelites sacrifice. Um, They were doing all the, all the activities of, God-fearing worshipers, but their hearts were so far from him that he rejected their, their activities, their sacrifices. And, and I think, um, I think as coaches, sometimes we're really good at checking off the boxes or being busy. And um, we confuse being busy with being effective and being impactful. And, and so uh, that's, that's, I guess, why I love coaching so much. We, we really get to flesh out the heart. I think, I think competition um, it reveals the heart more than any other, um, any other part of life that I've been a part of. And so, uh, being a Christian coach, uh, you know, we, we have this opportunity to, to see hearts and to train hearts and to reveal hearts. And, and so, yeah, I think, uh, you find out if your heart smells like Christ or if it doesn't. And I, I'm, I'm very guilty of times when it doesn't. So it's something that sharpens me all the time. And, um, I think I'd just like to like to always be um, uh, known as somebody that that smells and has the aroma of Christ. That's that's so good. And for me, the 
the longer that I've been a Christian, it's like the easier it's becoming to, to just look like a Christian on the outside or, or do the Christian-y thing. Um, and I love what you're saying about the heart. And uh, I'm just curious for you to, um, to stay close to the Lord, to have your heart right before you enter into coaching. But what, what do you do on like a daily or weekly basis so that you're staying fresh and um, smelling like Jesus? Yeah, yeah it's, it's not easy. Um, and I'm no model of discipline, but uh, there are some, I think, some intakes that I try to have daily or, or regularly, at least, that work for me. Um, you know, time in the word is something that, uh, the last couple of years I've, I've just become more and more, um, it's, it's like, uh, nobody really goes without food because you get hungry. And, and the longer I've been following Christ, the, uh, you know, if, if I go a, a reasonable time without the word, I feel hungry and I de- depleted. And, and so I, I've been feeding that hunger, uh, more regularly. That's, that's something I'm grateful for. Um, I, I run. And so, um, you know, I, when I was a football player, I always said running is about the worst thing you could possibly do to, to run more than 40 yards. What would be the point of that? <laughs> and now like, I, I just love running and I love my best thinking and my best, uh, exhaling, uh, of, you know, toxic thoughts and, and just issues. Um, they come out when I'm running and, and I love doing that. Um, I take in a lot of podcasts and, and information I learn from other people. I, I really enjoy, particularly from the things outside of athletics. I love learning from uh, the world of health and medicine, the world of business, um, politics. Um, I, I'm a pretty eclectic podcaster, and, and that's something that's filled my tank. Um, and then the longer I'm married, I also realize there's this correlation between um, being close to God and being close to my wife. And so the more that I'm in dialogue and conversation with my wife, the, the closer I I'm walking with the Lord. And so I've been trying to make that a priority lately and it's, it's been really neat to see. So, um, yeah, I think the last thing is I would say is living on the edge. Um, I've been convicted in the last probably five years since the, the years that I became a head coach that you, you're really not, living a life of faith if you don't really need faith to handle what you're going through. In other words, if if you found the, the comfort zone and you've kind of been camping out there, what is your faith for? And if you're not um, experiencing risk or, or trial or challenge, you're not putting yourself in a spot where a possibility of failure is there, um, then what what is your faith really for? And so, um, this job and the, the roles that I have now, uh, they certainly provide that outlet, let's say, uh, in abundance. Um, and uh, I think I think living in that uh, zone of a little bit of discomfort and risk is has become really important to me. I do want to hear hear a little bit about your journey, but can you just um, continue sharing in that on um like living on the edge and the things that you've kind of been able to to get involved with and pursue here uh recently yeah so um i think this it all goes back to my 15 years as a college assistant i i honestly believed that my calling in life was to be a number two in a program and i i loved coming alongside and supporting the vision of 
or the head coaches I've worked for. I've, I've been really, really fortunate to, to work for some incredible men in this sport. And, and uh, I, I thought that was where I was called to be. And um, the, the head job opportunity, it, it came here at Dort and um, almost unexpectedly for me. And um, immediately I, I realized why maybe I didn't want to be a head coach for so it's, it's not easy. And um, there's, there's some new challenges that come with, with guiding the ship of a program. Um, but it has, it has kept me on the edge uh, without a doubt. And uh, the, the, the turnaround that we've been uh, working to accomplish here at Dort, uh, it's one that could only have been done if God was involved. And um, so we've, we've been able to, to flip the program from, you know, kind of being a bottom dweller in, in our conference to, to competing for the conference championship. Um, we're not there yet, but we were literally yards away this season. And mm-hmm. so um, some of the, the, the cool things that are starting to happen now is um, here at Dort, it's not just football, but we've got a tremendous athletic department and we have something called the Defender Way. Uh, which is our ethos. It's our it's our way of doing things. It's the principles that hold all of our athletic programs together. And um, I, I suppose I, I guess you could say um, the outside world has taken notice of it, and there's been a bit of a demand to share that story. And so um, something that we are launching this year is called Coaching for Transformation, uh, and this is a really exciting initiative. Um, there's there's quite a genesis to this story. We we can talk about that if you like, but you know to 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 explain what coaching for transformation does, um, we're going to challenge the practices and the principles for high school athletics, um, basically helping them develop the the what and the why. You know why. Are you doing what you're doing as an athletic department, as a as a program, uh, and then what are the things that um, work best to accomplish the results that you're looking for? We see a, a big disconnect in alignment between the school administrator and the the actual coach, and there's a lot of reasons for that misalignment. But um, we want to come alongside and help create the alignment so that um, everybody in the building at at a high school from the freshman athlete to the school principal would be able to verbalize and say, well, this is what we're doing in athletics. This is what we're after. And this is, this is how we're doing it. Um, and then finally, just being transformative. How, how can we help and encourage uh, these high school programs to uh, not just be, well, it's what you do at 315 after school, but to actually cement in some transformative principles that these kids are going to have for the rest of their lives. Um, through a, through a transformative experience. So um, we are launching this program. We've had uh, one year, one year of pilot, kind of a pilot year where we've got 12 different school ADs who are um, kind of given a test drive to the, uh, to the service. And we meet monthly on zoom and they sharpen us like crazy and help us fine tune what we're doing. But uh, we will be kind of making this a public uh, opportunity for membership um, primarily targeting Christian schools uh, at this point, schools that want to um, glorify God in the way they do their, their high school athletics. And so I'm the co-director along with uh, our assistant women's basketball coach here at Dort, Bill Harmson. And we've got a leadership team uh, and we're very excited to, uh, to tell the story of the Defender way and to help others create similar stories. 
Wow, that that sounds really exciting, really cool. Uh, can you tell us how how that came about, and uh, and just what's the plan on how are you going to take this this great idea and and get it out to other other schools? Yeah, so um, here at Dort we have an organization called Case, which is the Center for the Advancement of Christian Education, and it's case.org if anyone's curious. But they have um, been around for a while and. and uh, they are coming alongside and helping Christian schools uh, achieve their mission and sharpen their mission um, and carry out God's calling and God's story in their, in their schools. And I think um, it was, would have been about two years ago, um, folks that were involved with CASE started asking the question, you know, we are, we are putting um, some really, really good uh, framework into the academic sphere of how these schools can, can do um, their Christ-centered education. What about what about at practice? What about in athletics? Um, there's a void there. Um, who is coming alongside schools that need the guidance in the athletic realm? And so a number of people kind of formed a, a committee. They had this idea. I was actually not a part of that early discussion. Our athletic director, Ross Dalma, was. Um, but I think... Um, after uh, a couple of meetings, they, they brought me in, which I'm thankful for because they, they recognized that I had a passion for, for this kind of thing. And so, um, you know, about a year ago now, we, we, uh, we all got together and we said, all right, are we going to do this? And, and how do we get started? Really, it was, well, let's make this a collaborative thing. Um, let's see if we can get pilot schools who will test drive it for us and essentially implement the program at their at their school and so we've got 12 athletic directors who have been helping us with this all year and so um what's what's really exciting is this month we're going to launch the website and uh, i'll be able to share that um hopefully in your show notes and then also um on my twitter account which is coach at coach underscore penner uh, if anyone wants to see that, I'll have links on there for, for that. So the, the website for Coaching for Transformation will be available uh, here here this month. And then also we are going to host here at Dort um, something called the Game Changer Summit. And the Game Changer Summit is it's uh, it's going to be a conference. Uh, and uh, we're having this in early June. And uh, we have just a tremendous amount of speakers. But what what we're doing here is we're we're trying to equip and inspire current and future athletic directors, coaches, coaches, and teachers in in faith leadership. Um, one of your former guests, uh, Brian Smith, is going to speak at this at this summit. Brock Heward um, is going to speak. Wayne Simeon, uh, Brian Bolt, um, a number of other speakers who I'm going to forget. Uh, trying to rattle off all their names. Um, but uh, the Game Changer Summit is going to be held here in person at Dort um, on June 4th, and registration is live for that. So would love to invite any of your listeners that are um, wanting to, uh, to grow in their integration of faith and sport. Uh, this would be a tremendous uh, encouragement for them uh, to come to. So we'll, we'll try to get more information out um, after the podcast. For sure, that uh, we'll, we'll definitely share the the notes on that. Excited to to help spread the word, um, and man, you're you're involved with some awesome things, and I love that you are um, using your platform and and taking these. It'd be easier to to just stay in your coaching uh, hat and circle, and for you to kind of 
expand your leadership and, and impact more lives is, is really beautiful. But I am curious, just kind of going back to the start after, um, after college, what drew you into college coaching and uh, how did you end up at this point here uh, as the head coach at Dort? Yeah, that's, that's a fun story too. I, I would say uh, it was a girl. <laughs> Isn't that the story for a lot of us? Um, I was finishing up my college career as a, as a player at Trinity International University in, in the Chicago area. And, um, you know, I've always, always loved football. And, and uh, you know, I didn't have a ton of direction I, about where I wanted to go after college. Um, I was a little bit stuck, but I knew that I had a passion for football. And I knew I had a passion for this young sophomore uh, girl on campus, uh, who's now my wife. And she had a lot of school left and I was graduated. So I was trying to figure out, you know, I'm not from the Chicago area. I didn't want to stay in the Chicago area. Um, but I decided like, hey, if I if I kind of part-time coach and, and kind of hang around here, maybe I can see this relationship go somewhere, you know? And so I have my wife to thank for getting me into coaching. And really, I caught the coaching bug right away. Um, I coached at Trinity for four years. We got married. Um, I got my master's degree there. And then my uh, good friend, Eric Heyman, got the head, head coaching job at Greenville um, College. And he asked me to come down and be his offensive coordinator. So at the age of 25 or 6, I became an offensive coordinator at a Division three school in Southern Illinois. And that was a, a just a terrific way to cut my teeth as a as a college coach and a coordinator. Learned a ton, um, grew up a ton, and then um, after that, I I um, was introduced to Northwest Iowa for the first time, and and um, was hired as the offensive coordinator at Northwestern College, which is ironically our rival school, ten miles down the road from here, um, playing in the same league. And uh, I was there for three years. And then after that time, we, um, we moved to Ohio. My, uh, my wife's family is from Ohio, and so there was an opportunity to coach with uh, that friend I mentioned earlier, Eric Heyman, who had now become the head coach at Malone University. And, um, and so I uh, became the offensive coordinator at Malone University Division II School in Canton, Ohio. And, um, yeah, so uh, that was an, an incredible experience I wouldn't trade. For, for anything, I learned through the through the highs and the lows. Uh, uh, I questioned if I wanted to stay in coaching. Um, my last season, we were 0 and 10, and we had an overtime loss, a, a one point loss. We kicked the field goal and hit the upright and lost. Um, you know the 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 difficulty uh, of trying to get a win and failing 10 times in a row. Um, I realized. Uh, how difficult that is. And I, there was a time when I said, I, I don't want to do this anymore. Um, but uh, Dort University um, had gotten to know me a little bit when I was 10 miles away at the other school. And, um, you know, I got a phone call to consider being the head coach here and uh, didn't, didn't think it was going to happen, but I stepped on campus and I absolutely fell in love with the, the founder's vision of this school, the, the way that they are continuing to be faithful to the biblical truths in, in the education. Um, you know, the football program had greatly struggled, but, um, you know, I felt like if, if, if this school is as good as I believe it is, we can recruit and we can build and we can develop. And so, um, 
you know, we, uh, we moved back to Northwest Iowa, which we never thought we would. And, and uh, now we're here living in Sioux Center, Iowa. And uh, my three kids are, are doing great. Uh, my oldest is 13 and I have a 11 and a nine year old and my wife uh, teaches first grade at their school. So it's, it's a great situation for us now. Um, but uh, we're, we're just having a blast uh, working here at Dort. There's incredible people here. Um, there's tremendous competency and a heart to do things in a God honoring way, which I've found um, isn't, isn't common. It's hard to find a place that puts those two together, uh, expertise and, and competency and wanting to do things in an excellent way, um, but also doing it with the heart of, heart of a Christian and in a God honoring way. Th those are, those are two things that are really rare in my opinion. And so we're, we're enjoying being a part of it. Hey, what a, what a journey and, and really cool story. And I am curious, um, as you've, have you, as you've built this program on Christian values, what are some things that you really wanted to establish early on to try to turn the program around to, um, for sure and impact the young lives, but also try to, um, be a successful program and, and advance forward in that way? Yeah, I'm, I'm a firm believer that, um, you know, whether this is right or wrong, good or bad, um, people will have a hard time accepting what you're doing if they don't see um, the outcome on the scoreboard. And, uh, you know, I, I've, I've witnessed, uh, you know, situations in coaching where the exact same mission and, and vision for and, and beliefs um, in uh, what we're what we're doing here at Dort, um, I've seen us go zero and ten, and we couldn't we couldn't get buy-in. Um, you know, there was obviously some some loyal patriots that that battled hard with us in some of those tough years. But um, I think having a successful, uh, at least at the college level, I think having the platform and having the influence that will carry the most weight for whatever message you're trying to 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 give. Um, you know, having some success on the field is a big part of that. And it, it, it's a really difficult balance because you come right up on the edge of idolatry really fast, you know, and, and uh, I think um, what I wanted to do was view the goals of winning football games and the, all the all the outcomes we wanted to see. I wanted to put them in a legitimate but not ultimate um, place for our team. Uh, and I say that uh, our goals are legitimate, but our purpose is ultimate. And I felt like if we could elevate our purpose and if we could carry out our values and if we could we could get guys to believe in the the pillars of our program, then I, I really believe that the goals would come and um, that success would come on the field. And it doesn't always work that way. I've experienced where it doesn't, but if, if the factors are right and if the Lord wants it to happen, uh, it's going to happen. And that's, that's, I think, what we've experienced here. Um, you know, my, I guess my mission in the way that I, that, that I coach is um, to honor God in the way that I steward the program. You know, I always say it's not my program. It's God's program, but I'm, I'm stewarding it as the head coach. Um, we want to build men and, and we want to lead our players uh, in a fight to compete fiercely, um, but to do so out of, out of a secure identity in Christ. And uh, I just think there's so much power 
when a young man lines up on the field, when he's about to execute a skill, um, when his identity is secure in Christ. And, and that's really what we're trying to capture. And I, I think there's a competitive advantage for the team that has that going on. And that's not the reason we do it, but that's, that's a benefit of doing it. And so trying to help our guys, you know, it's a fragile time of life, man. It is critical when you are forming um, some major identity um, connections. And, and so I, I just think we, we have to do a great job as, as college coaches and high school coaches of helping kids uh, find out that, that big question of who you are, why do you matter? What is your dignity and value and worth? Where does that even come from? Because if they follow the world's model, they're, they're just going to get it from, from all the places that, that'll disappoint them and, and end up bankrupting them. Yeah, that's so good. Um, I love your, your mission statement. That is uh, really um, encouraging and inspiring. And, and in the middle of it, you say to build men. And uh, just curious, as you're, you're coaching there, what are some um, – some goals or outcomes a guy comes in on a recruiting visit at 17 and, and leaves at 22 what are you hoping um that he would leave with and, and what does it look like to, to be a man yeah what a, what an incredible question and topic for the times we live in right um you know i i have coaching friends who um at certain schools have been told to no longer use language of building men uh, because uh, of all the political ramifications that it carries now. And, um, you know, I, I think it's a very delicate topic. Um, I think I'll reframe the question maybe a little bit if I could um, in our context. I'm, I'm interested in what is a godly man. Um, and I, I'm grateful that for the freedom and the privilege of Dort University where I'm allowed to um, help shape that. Um, you know, I think... I think the first thing is establishing uh, young men who who want to honor God with their life. And I think I think what happens so often is God gives us these great gifts. Um, in, in our case, athletic ability and a, and a sport experience. Um, some, but for other people, he'll he'll give them you know um, other joys and loves in their life. He'll give them. Um, power, money, fame, you know, whatever. And these good gifts, which are good, good things are, are often used improperly to puff up yourself, to build up yourself and to, you know, we almost use them as um, marks of dignity and value and worth. And I think, I think that's dishonoring to God when we take his gift and we turn it around and make it into a, a, a small G God in itself. And so helping our guys understand, like, we're playing the game to glorify God. We're not doing this to put up, to build up ourselves. Uh, the scriptures say that if we humble ourselves, he will build us up. And we get that backwards so many times. So that's the first thing. Um, I think that the second thing is a godly man is one who will compete. And I realize um, a lot of people that um, our godly men aren't necessarily athletic or, or not um, competitive. And that's not really what I'm, what I'm talking about, but regardless of whether or not we love sports or involved in sports or not, we, we have uh, uh, an imperative as a Christian man to compete. We have a battle to fight. Um, if, if we didn't 
uh, if we didn't have a battle, why would Paul tell us to put on the armor of God? Uh, you don't put on armor for, for Halloween only. You, you have to have um, battle readiness. And so uh, I love the, uh, the two animals in scripture that are used to metaphorically represent who Jesus is. He's, he's two very different animals. He's a lion and he's a lamb. And I don't know if you could find two more opposite temperamented animals in the animal kingdom um, than a lion and a lamb. And and I I wonder if he used those images so that we would understand the range and the the width of who Jesus is. But um, we have to compete to be humble like a lamb and we have to compete to be bold like a lion, uh, regardless of whether we're in sports or not. Um, and then I would say the last one that we we talk a lot about is is kingdom impact. Um, and this is just getting the idea of recognizing that you have an influence. Some people don't think they're leaders. Some people don't think that they have any influence. Um, you know, I tell our guys the minute you walk into a room, the way that you walk, the way that you carry yourself, the way that you sit in your chair, the way that you interact with the person next to you, you've already created a uh, a mood and a tone in the room. You have an influence just by the fact that you're you're actually uh, taking up space, and and so are you using that influence as a contributor to the to the environment that you're in, or are you using your influence as a consumer? And as much as possible, we want to be men who um, are trying to to give and to contribute and make things better, to bless other people, and so. There's a lot of things in our program that we do to reinforce this idea of getting outside of yourself and understanding that you have a role to play in um, the impact that you have. And so, um, yeah, I think a godly man, at least as I see it and as I feel called to uh, to lead in, um, that that's the, the stuff that we're trying to get after. I love that. Such a, a great uh, definition and uh, lion and a lamb and uh, man, Joel, this has been so good, and uh, we could just keep going on and on. And maybe, maybe bring it back for part two. But um, just on, on this day, how how can we be praying for you? Yeah, I appreciate that question. Um, you know, I think I think you've heard me talk about uh, all the things I have my hand in. Um, my plate is pretty full, and uh, I think I'm I'm trying to give to a lot of things. Um, I'm at that stage of life with my family where they've got a different activity every night of the week. So, um, you know, my wife's working full time and, and I'm busy with my, my stuff and, and uh, we're trying to, to balance all that. So I think the wisdom in, in knowing how to wear all the hats that I wear to wear them well and, you know, the, the respect of uh, one's own well-being boundaries. Um, it's not something I've always been good at is, is knowing where that is. And, and so having an awareness of, of staying strong and um, knowing when to say no and um, setting up some good boundaries is probably what I need the most today. Awesome. Yeah, that's a tough wrestle for, for us all, but let's uh, just ask the Lord to, to bless us with, with that. God, we we love you, God, and uh, we we want to know you more, God, and uh, for who, who you truly are. And I just pray you'd break down any... Um, preconceived notions and, and wrong ideas and help us to see you as, as the lion and the lamb and help us to worship you in, in that. And uh, thank you so much for Joel, for his life, uh, for his leadership and his ministry and 
Um, I just pray that you would just give him wisdom and, and um, setting up boundaries and figuring out where to invest his time and, and his life and uh, help us all, God, to, to just prioritize and, and just do what you've called us to do today and um, just uh, give you all the praise and all the glory. I'm praising Jesus in Amen. Amen. Chad, what a great guy Joel is. Um, loved hearing his story, um, his heart. Um, I can definitely relate um, with being a longtime assistant coach and then um, can't relate making the transition to head coach. Um, but I can understand how he, he felt like he could be an assistant coach forever. Um, I, I equal that. I, I have a saying that, you know, assistant coaches are advice givers, but head coaches are decision makers, you know. And I think sometimes we don't understand that transition and what kind of pressures it comes with that. Um, the other thing I like, Chad, is the um, as you get closer to God, you get closer to your spouse. And I, I envision like a triangle and, the, the you know, the man is on one side of the bottom, the women is on the other side, and God is at the top of the triangle. And as they get closer to God, they ultimately get closer um, together. What did you like about it? Yeah, all those points were, were really good, Jean. And I... I liked, um, you know, in his mission statement I found online, it talked about to build men. And so I appreciate his his honesty and, and um, just that picture of lion and a lamb. I, I love that as, as we're to be compassionate and caring like Christ, but we're also um, there to compete and, um, and try to win, win for the kingdom. And uh, I love that. And, and then just the work that he's doing with his, um, the extra task that he's kind of taken on, uh, I know, for you and I, we, we've kind of taken on this this faith and this challenge of trying to to write a book and and do a podcast, and um, it's stretching. And uh, I can I can see that in him as well. It's definitely grown our faith. I'm sure it's grown his too. But just we we are really excited to put in the show notes the um, about the summit, and and for him to be the the co-director, the coaching for transformation. I think it's so so valuable the work that he's trying to do and align. Um, coaches with administration and, and just having everybody be on the same page. I, I really believe that can really help uh, a department thrive. So you guys need to check that out. And uh, again, coach, we are so thankful for you guys. Thankful for this journey and just excited to, to hear more stories of the impact that you're having as a coach on your campus. And just remember that the, the mission field is right where you're at.